Back for another episode of End to End. Me and Joe are here with you, and we have a jam-packed episode of reviewing, recapping, whatever you want to call it, about the trade deadline and everything that's happened this week with signings, big injuries. So, yeah, we'll get into it. I mean, we're going to be naming winners and losers of the trades, I assume, because that's what you guys want to hear. So, let's get right into the first one. And, uh, Joe, why don't you start us off with the Toronto Maple Leafs making some moves this week. So, yeah, so this year, so this deadline signaled to Leaf fans and I guess the team that they're going all in this year as the big acquisition that was made by the team was acquiring former Columbus captain Nick Foligno from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a 2021 first and fourth round pick. They, in that deal, they also picked up Stefan Nosen from the San Jose Sharks for a fourth round pick. So basically the whole trade was Felino and Nosen for a first and two fourths. So obviously this is a significant move and maybe a, a lot of Leaf fans just looking at the picks they gave up kind of see this as an overpayment. I mean, for me, as obviously someone who's not a fan of the team, I think it's a fine price to pay just because this is an all-in year. This is their best chance ever to get to the conference finals, which they have a very strong chance to do now that they acquired Felina, who should be in the lineup very soon. I think you had to make this move. Like I said, this is an all-in type of move. This is a perfect type of player the Leafs kind of needed to go on a long playoff run. We kind of predicted that this would happen as well a few episodes back. So Thomas... As a Leaf fan, how do you think of this specific trade? Yeah, I know. I just hate when people say, like, oh, it's an overpayment. It's only an overpayment if they literally shit the bed in first round again and we go home in early May. And that's that would be an overpayment. But if we win a couple rounds here and there and hopefully two or three would be nice. But, I mean, the acquisition of Felino itself, a first and two fourths, and it's, like, not that bad. It's not something to actually, like, realistically get mad at. Some people seem to think it's that of, of that mad to get over a first and two fourths for him. But what he's going to bring, he's going to bring sandpaper. He's going to hopefully chip in a here and there. But that's not his strong suit. His strong suit is two-way forward leadership which is an underrated quality these days because there's not many great leaders out there and we've got a few on our team that can helpfully you know pick up these young guys when we're down and stuff like that so I mean adding Felino just really helps us make us a bit of a stronger team in the sense of um, like just our mentality and stuff like that so I mean obviously we're not acquiring him for the mentality part itself but just what he brings so like he's like reminds me of Felino uh, Felino he reminds me of Palmieri but not the scoring touch Palmieri has but that's a guy who I wanted to acquire, and he kind of has those qualities that Paul Mary does, where he brings sandpaper at two-way ability for the ice. But all in all, I think it's a good trade for the Leafs. I, I don't see it as a big overpayment unless we, again, lose in the first round. But, I mean, yeah, that's that's fine with me. I think it's a good trade. I think, I don't know who wins. Maybe if Columbus drafts a good guy with that first pick, hopefully it's late in the first round, maybe they win. But uh, right now, I'm just going to say the Leafs just because they added something that they needed for a while. But what do you think? Like, who won that trade? I'm going to say the Leafs right now, like you said, because they're going all in. Like you said, if they don't go far, even if they like lose in the second round, I still think like it's a loss. Like They have to get to the conference finals, I think. Mm-hmm. Just because, again, this is the easiest path in their history almost, literally since the expansion that they've had. Like They obviously have a good team. I'm not saying that... like. You know, they don't have a good team and it's easy. They have a great team, the best team they've ever had in like literally 20 years probably. Mm -hmm. And like this is the easier path. Like you don't have to face Tampa. You don't have to face Boston, Islanders, Penguins, Capitals, like whoever, Carolina, Panthers. Like 
This is the easiest path because you have to play most likely Montreal in the first round. You are heavy favored in that series. Then you have to play the Jets or the Oilers. The Jets might cause some problems, but if, say, the Oilers win and they face the Oilers, I think they could beat the Oilers no problem. Like, say, the Oilers go to the second round. So that's why mm -hmm. I'm saying it's the easiest path they've had. But I think they they win the trade right now. Yeah, and they also made another trade this week, and it was on, well, right before deadline day, actually at night, I believe. And it was the Leafs acquiring David Riddick from the Calgary Flames for a third-round pick. And they also picked up Hutton uh, just as the deadline ended for a fifth round pick, sort of depth defenseman. I mean, two trades that like really aren't a great price to pay, but at the end of the day, you probably need that extra goalie. And it's also like, I know you were a bit head scratching about why, why would they got Riddick and other people were as well. But I think this acquisition basically tells us, and I think the Leafs know more than us right now, because obviously they are training with the goalies. But I think this really tells us that Riddick is going to come back and they might not bring Anderson back because, I mean, the guy's injured right now. You can't really trust him, obviously, right now because he's injured. You could trust Campbell a whole lot, but I think Riddick, I think this is an acquisition where Riddick's going to sign next year as well. I don't know. What do you think? But That's a good point that you made. I actually didn't think about that, but now that I'm thinking that you said that, he, he is a UFA Riddick at the end of the year. So basically, like, you let Anderson walk, and then you have, like, a goalie tandem, potentially of Riddick and Campbell next year. Kind of like how, you know, Boston does it, the Islanders do it. Tandem seem to be, like, really in right now. Mm -hmm. Same with Montreal. They have Price and Allen right now. And so, even Vegas. Yeah, and even Vegas with Leonard and Fleury. They're the best tandem in the <laughs> league. So, I mean, that's a good point. So, a third-round pick isn't too... Like, it's, it was just kind of random because they, like, you know, they already have Campbell. They have right. Hutchinson as the third string. Now Riddick's in. So he's technically the third string if you want to mm -hmm. look, like, at the actual depth chart. But like you said, Cam, um, yeah, sorry, Campbell. Anderson's still out with the injury. He finally got back on the ice after a month. So who knows when he's going to come back. But when he comes back, the net's probably not even going to be his in the first <laughs> place. It's going to be Campbell's to lose who has struggled of late, but obviously mm -hmm. he's not going to win every game. And, like, I mean, the guy literally just yeah. came into his own this year at 29. You can't really expect him to win every game, staying on his head. So, I mean, I think the trade's fine. It was just kind of, like like you said, the Leafs know more than we do. So they felt like they had to make this move. And then Hunt's just a depth yeah. move. I mean, you had to make that deal just to add in case of injury. Yep, exactly, yep. I totally agree. So this is the Leafs kind of telling the fans and themselves, like you said, Joe, at the beginning of the episode, we're going all in. So, I mean, if this is all in, buckle up because we're going to be hopefully getting past that first round hump that we've never got past since I've been watching this team. And I don't count the ones where I'm young in 2004. So let's, uh, let's hope for the best for the Leafs. But yeah, those are two moves they made on deadline day. And We'll go to the next one, which was not a trade on the deadline day. It was a few days before on the Saturday. And this one, I mean, you had scratched at Riddick. This was a head scratcher for me because I did not think this team even remotely needed this guy. So we're talking about David Savard going to the Lightning for a 2021 first and a 2022 third and a 2021 fourth. So this was a three-way trade between the Red Wings, Lightning, and Columbus Blue Jackets. I believe the Red Wings got the fourth round pick or the third round pick. I'm not too sure, but it doesn't matter. The big piece is David Savard going to Lightning. What did you think about this trade when it broke? So this is literally the same move that they made last deadline day when they acquired Barkley, Goudreau, Blake Coleman. When they, I think they gave up a first for both or one of them. Goudreau for sure. So this is literally the exact same move, same type of like player. Like You don't think that this guy would be a first, but as you saw last year in the playoffs, Tampa, those guys played huge huge for that team to win the cup 
So Tampa believes they have a perfectly constructed team. Savard's going to play most likely on the third pairing, and he's a very solid defensive defenseman, which they kind of need just to kind of slot into that third pairing, play on the penalty kill. So like you said, they didn't need him because they're already really good, Mm -hmm. but this just makes them so much more (laughs) formidable and like more likely to go back-to-back, which obviously the Penguins did a few years back. Right. So... I mean, Tampa, like, they just have an embarrassment of riches. They keep giving up first, but they still find guys. Like, look at Colton right now, who has, like, eight or nine goals who came out of nowhere. They traded Voltkov, I think that's his name, to Anaheim. But, like, it's not like they, they're, they're not missing a beat, really. Like, they just find guys here and there in the later rounds. It doesn't matter. So, I think Detroit's the one that got the fourth. And uh, overall... Like he's, it's kind of like for the Felino trade. If Tampa goes far, like maybe not win the cup, but get to the conference finals, I think it was worth it for Savard because it gives him a strong chance of going back to back, which is very hard to do. And then, I mean, Columbus overall between the two trades we just talked about did very well. They got, yep. they basically, you know, a middle six forward in Felino, you know, second line, most likely third line, then Savard, a top four, maybe five defensemen. They got two first round picks, a third and a fourth for them so what that's really good for columbus yeah and the only reason um uh, i was like really shocked about david Savard well you kind of said they don't they didn't really need him but i mean getting a guy doesn't hurt like that to help your defense and it's an upgrade over bogosian last year so like i i assume hadman's going to be playing with savard because that's what he needs a right-handed defenseman that kind of plays a similar style to him in the defensive zone that's what david savard can bring he's not really offensively gifted so we all know that but it's an upgrade over Bogosian last year, and, you know, this is like another move, man, Lightning. Like you said, man, it's just another trade where they didn't really need to get him, but if they got him, sure, go ahead and go on another run. But it's hard to win a cup back-to-back. We've seen it once in our lifetime, I believe, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty hard to get go back-to-back, and if this is the good chance and if this is the guy to help you guy go, help your team go back-to-back, Sure, go out and get him, but we'll see. I mean, to be honest, like I don't think the Lightning's weakness was defense. I, like this might sound shocking, but it's goaltending. I know Vashlevsky mm-hmm. in there, but past him, if he goes down, they are really screwed. And we've said that before. I mean, but like McElhaney, he played another game, and I think he got lit up for seven goals. So <laughs> on twenty-two shots. Yeah, and that's not good. But you really hope Vashlevsky doesn't go down. I don't want him to go down. I think he's the best goal in the league, and he's so good, and he's my favorite goalie. But if he goes down, that defense is going to have to really step up to, you know, guard either Gibson or uh, McElhaney. But that's all we're talking about. We're talking about David Svar, and it's a good acquisition for uh, the Lightning. So they win the trade if they go far. But I think, the like you said, Columbus did a really, really, really good job this uh, this trade deadline to acquire assets for assets they had on their team that have been there for a while. But um, I think that's it on the Lightning and Columbus Blue Jackets. So who do you, ha- who did you, who do you think won the trade? So right now, like I said, for the Felino one, like I think Lightning right now, if they go far, but, you know, getting a first and third for a guy like Savard is really good for Columbus as well. So right now they have three first round picks. However, yep. this is, this draft is going to be like a crapshoot because of <laughs> not many are play, not many like prospects are playing and like the scouting is not there compared to other years, obviously. So yep. they do have three first, which is a lot to help, I guess, accelerate their rebuild slash retool. Mm-hmm. of the organization but they have to hit on the pick similar to Ottawa, how they had three last year so obviously that's that's Los sanderson and i forget the other one uh greg yeah greg so unless like 
like you have to hit on those picks. So that's the most important thing. But I mean, mm-hmm. three first round picks is three first round picks. So yeah, I think right now Lightning, but it could be Columbus in like a year yeah. potentially. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we go to the next one. It's a goalie trade that maybe the maybe the Lightning could have went for, but he was making a lot of cash. Uh, Devin Dubnik goes to the Avalanche for a fifth and a pa- and Patterson goes to the San Jose Sharks. So this was a trade where I mean a complete win for the Avalanche just because uh, we got word this week that Grubauer is tested positive for COVID. So Dubnik is now going to be the starter uh, whenever they restart up because they got delayed, I believe, three more games this week for another positive test within the team. So uh, absolute dub for Joe Sackick again because I don't know how he can predict this. I don't know I don't know if he wants his starting goalie to go down with an injury, but bringing in Dubnik is just like, okay, yeah, good. Now you did it and now you don't have that problem as last year. Yeah, so exactly like you said. So this is a win for the Avalanche just because it's going to pay off right now. Yeah. And they obviously, like Dubnik's numbers have not been good this year, but he was playing for San Jose, which is not a good team. Now that you're in front, now he has a one of the best top six defense scores in the league in front of Dubnik. It should make his life a lot easier. And just as long as you have that stability, like he could still play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think he's going to be 35 soon, but he could still play. This is a good pickup. I mean, it was kind of surprising. I thought they would go for, like, kind of how we predicted, like, a Jonathan Bernier type. But I think Bernier is actually on the IR, so they weren't able to trade him because he wasn't traded at the deadline. So that kind of sucks for Detroit, who we'll get to again shortly. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a good pickup for the Avs for sure. Yep, I think the Avs win. You think the Avs win. Uh, We'll go to the next team. And this is your team who made a couple moves recently uh, near the deadline. So they pick up John Merrill for a fifth and Hayden Verbeek, I think is his first name, right? Yep. And then they get Eric Gustafson from the Flyers for a seventh round pick. I mean, I think that's pretty good. Pretty good asset management. They don't give up a lot for two defensemen that they, I don't necessarily think they need, but play a style of the game. Not Gustafson, he's a bit off more offensive, but Merrill plays a style of the game where they have defensemen like him already on the team. So maybe adding to that mix helps him and makes him thrive, but... What are your thoughts on those two trades that are definitely a very great price to pay? Well, they were good value trades, but like I don't know how much it's going to actually help the team in the long run. Like you said, like Merrill is very similar to the guys they already have. I mean, he could skate better than probably like an Edmondson, Weber, mm-hmm. probably the same as Sherrod. Um, and then for Gustafson, obviously he's like a power play specialist essentially because that's all he could do really. And he right. could skate. So even just to help, the, like just a second unit power play, play on the last pair for a few minutes just for the regular season just to get his feet wet maybe would be a good move for him because the power play has not been good as of late right. as of the Leafs too <laughs> but um yeah um but also they let Victor yep. Mete go on waivers on Sunday and he was claimed right before the 12 o'clock deadline by the Ottawa Senators um which was a really good move for Ottawa because they also made trade traded away a lot of their defensemen as well. So they traded Mike Riley to the Boston Bruins for a third-round pick, an assistant captain, at least for this year anyways, Eric and Branson to the Nashville Predators for a seventh. So them basically getting assets for those two defensemen and then grabbing Mete to basically replace what Mike Riley kind of brought to the team is really good asset management for the Senators. Yep, totally agree. I mean, just you look at what the Ottawa Senators are doing, and this is what they have to do. They have to sell off their pieces that were doing good. Mike Riley being one of them. Eric Branson, I mean, making a lot of cash, but 
Again, you get a seventh round pick. At least he's not walking uh, in free agency. I believe he's a free agent. But um, just getting Mete on waivers is an absolute win. I mean, just for literally free when the Montreal Canadiens could have got at least something for him earlier in the year when he was rumored to uh, kind of be put on the trade block. And, you know, he goes to the Ottawa Senators. They have a guy like him and Erica Branson. They have a guy like uh, they have Mete now who's a bit offensive there. So. I mean, the Ottawa Senators are a young team, a very young team, and hopefully Mete can find his home there because last few years he hasn't, obviously, with the Montreal Canadiens. We both know that. But, you know, hopefully he can find a home in Ottawa. I, I don't see it happening just because they have so many young, more defense, younger, better, more defensemen coming up through the ranks. But, you know, the Ottawa Senators, just they, this is what they have to do, and they're doing it. So good for the Ottawa Senators here. Yep, for sure. Okay, we want to go to the next one? Yeah. All right, so we have Jeff Carter, and this was like really late in the like night on Sunday. They couldn't even wait till Monday. They had to do it at night on Sunday. But Jeff Carter goes to the Penguins for a conditional third and fourth round pick. Little price to pay on Carter. Carter has one more year after this, and I believe the Los Angeles Kings are retaining fifty percent of his salary. So, I mean, can't complain what the Penguins are doing here. They're adding a veteran presence to their team. I didn't think it'd be Carter going to their team. I think I thought it'd be like a Mikael Granlund going to their team. But yep, solid pickup for the Penguins and. We'll move to another solid pickup from another team in the division, and it's the Boston Bruins. Picking up a... We knew he was probably rumored to go to the Boston Bruins, but Taylor Hall and, along with Curtis Lazar, go to the Boston Bruins for a 2021 second, Anders Bjork, and that's it. That's it. That's the trade. Just Anders Bjork and a second-round pick for Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. I mean, was this the biggest undervalued trade of the season? Definitely, considering the pedigree that Hall had in the past. Obviously, Buffalo is a disaster. Like, every kind of veteran player who was there had a terrible year. If you look at Eric Stahl, for example, obviously Taylor Hall. And then right now, the Sabres, to their credit, are playing way better in the last, like, two weeks than they did, like, all year. Like, I think they're 5-0-2 or 5-2-2 in their last nine games, which is actually really good. I think I saw a tweet in their last 10 games. They have the second best winning percentage in the league over the last 10 games, which is like, what? <laughs> so like, obviously like they had to kind of get rid of the guys that were underperforming, like the veterans and stuff and just play the kids more like Casey Middlestad has kind of played a lot better. So I'm kind of getting off topic. Let's talk about the trade. Um, so yeah, Hall already matched his goal total with the Bruins in three games that he did with the Sabres in like 35 with two. So, obviously, he's playing dividends for Hall with the Bruins right now. Even Lazar scored an empty netter yesterday. So, Bjork's been solid for Buffalo as of right now. But, obviously, this is the biggest undervalued trade of the season. If you look at, like, Savard and Foligno, Columbus was able to get a first for both of them. And, obviously, Hall, his shooting percentage was terrible. And, like, he wasn't having a good year. So, his value was really, really low. But, you still couldn't get a first-round pick out of anyone, which is kind of embarrassing, to be honest. But... I, it is what it is. Like it was either you didn't take the offer and let him sit on the team for the rest of the year, and get nothing for him when he walks in free agency, or at least get something back. So, yeah, yeah, agreed. The complaint also was from the media that I've seen on Twitter and stuff was that they didn't they not rushed obviously because it was a day before the deadline, but they could have waited till deadline day to maybe another team was walking up to the plate and could have offered more. But I mean, like you said, he'd match his goal total already in three games. And you, we already kind of knew that was going to happen because like you said, every player that basically goes to Buffalo in their sort of prime of their career just doesn't really have anything to offer 
when they go to the Sabres. But look at it. A second and Bjork. I don't think Bjork's ceiling is very high. And I don't think he's very... I don't think he's a great player, but... He has a couple points for the uh, Sabres, but that's pretty much it. I mean, that, uh, the second round pick, they could steal someone, but and they don't have any scouts right now, dude. Like, they don't have any scouts in that management staff. They fired everyone. So who's going to draft that second round pick this year? I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know what they're going to get. But yeah, this is definitely the biggest undervalue trade of the season, just because, like you said, what Hall can bring to the table in terms of in the long run in the playoffs. So they have to go on a run with Taylor Hall, but it's a it's a price where it's not really more pressure on the Boston Bruins because they didn't offer a big haul for Hall. But yeah, Boston wins that one. They get a better player. They're getting also a better depth player in their organization with Curtis Lazar. Not that he's going to offer a lot, but Taylor Hall and the Boston Bruins win this trade. Yes. Um, do you want to go to the next one? Sure. So this one is kind of like a not really a major trade, and it's Adam Goddeck going from the Vancouver Canucks straight up for, I think, I forget his first name. Maybe Ryan. Uh, Matthew. Matthew. Matthew Highmore to the Chicago Blackhawks. This is a straight one for one swap. And what's really interesting about this is that there was rumors for a long time that Goddard didn't really fit in with the Canucks locker room, and that he was allegedly patient zero for their entire team outbreak of COVID. Hmm. So what's it is interesting that they literally just got rid of him because of he was such allegedly reportedly that he was such a cancer in the locker room. He didn't get along with the teammates and that he was actually like the one the first person that got it on the team that spread it throughout the whole organization basically. And they shipped him away. <laughs> Cuz I don't really know Matthew Highmore is really he's more of a depth guy. Deck could still I think has a higher ceiling than Highmore, but yeah. I think Vancouver just sent a message saying like, get out of here. Like you've done nothing <laughs> for our, you've done nothing but wrong things like for organization allegedly again for years here. So this is kind of like a eyebrow raising trade, especially if you're like a Canucks fan. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You've been waiting for Adam Goddard to get your organization playing your team. He came last year and he was pretty damn good, but obviously this year really down near for the whole team itself. But you know, Adam Goddard, like you said, he has a higher ceiling than Matthew Highmore, I think. And whether he fits on the Chicago Blackhawks lineup, I don't know. But at, at this rate, at this point in time, it's basically just a depth move for both organizations. Just a new fresh start for both. Matthew Highmore was good in the playoffs last year for the Chicago Blackhawks. But I don't know what he can do with the Vancouver Canucks. So at this point, it's just a um, depth move for both teams. But we'll get into uh, the Florida Panthers making moves and... Let's get to the move you're writing right now on our doc because that happened literally like an right in between our podcast that it was happening and it was Brandon Montour for 2021 third and we basically had to be on the spot for that one trade because we didn't know what was really happening but now we can now I guess we could digest what happened there so Brandon Montour for a third I think it's a good pickup they need a right-handed shot like we said what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so again, this is like something just the Sabres effect. Like the Sabres, when they acquired Montour a few years ago, had to give up a first-round pick and I think a prospect or just a, a, a roster player. And then you had to basically flip them for a third. So it's just like the Sabres effect. It just it affects all these players that go there. They're so bad that they lose their value and all they got was a third. And I think this is a solid move by Florida out of the many that they made actually leading up to the deadline. So... They, obviously, with Ekblad out for the rest of the year, basically 12 weeks, he, he's not going to come back for the playoffs, obviously. 
So Montour getting another right-handed shot D. I know they have Mackenzie Weger, but he's been playing the left side basically the whole year this year. So I know Montour could play with Mackenzie Weger, play with Yandel, Strawman, wherever he could fit. He's an upgrade over what they had after Ekblad went down. So I think it's a solid move for the Panthers. Yep, agree. And then we could talk about another trade that happened on deadline day. And this was the Calgary Flames also involved in the selling market. And this was trading Sam Bennett to the Florida Panthers for a second in 2022. And a prospect, Emil Heineman, uh, who was drafted last year in the first round. Or sorry, second round. So basically two second round picks for the Calgary Flames they're getting back. And, you know, if Bennett can rejuvenate his career, sort of, it's a good move for the Panthers. But if he can't, it's just a mm, uh, risk, I guess, in a trade for Sam Bennett. Because you're basically giving up two seconds for him, which Taylor Hall got more for, any less for, I don't know what. The Florida Panthers are making moves because they need to make moves because of the division they're in. They have to get through Tampa or the Carolina Hurricanes if they want any success to get past the first round since they uh, went to that Stanley Cup Finals. And this is a move hopefully for a depth role where it can kind of piss off the other uh, other team's uh, depth as well on the third and fourth line. But, you know, I'm ha- I'm hoping Sam Bennett can rejuvenate, but I-, I don't know if it can. I know Quenville tends to have like some projects and, you know, Bennett could definitely be one. But what are your thoughts on that one? I mean, I don't think Florida had to give up that much for Bennett. Like, this is a guy similar to Victor where the agents came out and they said that they're like, you know, their players wanted trade. So, I mean, good for Calgary on getting a lot in return for a guy that they didn't really believe in anymore. And for Bennett, who didn't want to be there anymore, they got, a, like you said, basically two seconds. So I think Calgary did really well. On Florida's side, they're still getting a guy that's 24 years old. And, I mean, he was a fourth overall pick in 2014. He, he has been known as a playoff performer, which is something they obviously need because, they, like you said, they need to win a round or two to get where they need to go. And Bennett could do that, especially if he's paired with Patrick Hornquist. They're going to piss off the hell out of anyone they play in the playoffs. Um, I think, like, it, like you said, it's a high-risk move. I don't know how much of a reward Bennett could provide just based on like production, but maybe he has some intangibles. Maybe he needs a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Maybe it could, it could be a benefit. But right now, I think Calgary wins that trade. But they also picked up Nikita Gusev off of waivers, the, the Panthers did. Mm-hmm. So Gusev could provide some depth scoring as well to a team that kind of needs it right now, especially with, I think, Verhage is now yes. injured. So that's a big blow because he's been a huge part of their team this year. So picking up Gusev is a smart move on the power play. He can chip in here and there. He's extremely skilled, and they only just picked him up off waivers and gave him $1 million. So Florida made a couple of pretty solid moves overall. I, I think they lost the Bennett deal right now, but overall they kind of made some pretty solid moves. Yeah, and then we have it in the dock here, good or bad moves by Florida. I'm going to go out and say it's good moves for the Florida Panthers. They have a lot of like really depth players that could also be in the top six as well like they signed a lot of players I know Wenberg was one of them Hornquist is another one and Verhage was another one that actually really worked out this year they have a lot of a similar players where they can play in the top six maybe not put up great numbers but they have players that could also play in the bottom six and these are guys that can play both so I'm gonna say it's good because they needed these moves to get past the hump I don't know if they are gonna get past the hump of uh, Tampa and Carolina but you know it's tending into the right direction and I, I like this Panthers team so I'm going to say good moves, but what about you? I think overall good. The Bennett one brings it down, but <laughs> I think overall 
solid moves by Florida. This is like they haven't really been like this in a while, like yeah. this competitive. So it is good that you know the new GM Bill Zito is kind of he re really like revamped the roster uh, last off season and obviously at the deadline. So let's see what happens. Yep, and then we are going to go all the way over to the next conference, which is the Vegas Golden Knights doing some damage in the de- trade deadline. They get Matias Yanmark for, I believe, uh, from the Chicago Blackhawks for a second, third, and fifth. I do not know what years those picks are in, but that is a hefty, not hefty, it's a, it's a big price for Matias Yanmark. Yeah, I think Chicago fleeced here. I mean, <laughs> like, Yanmark yeah, Lilly just came to them this year Yep, from Dallas, and I think a second and third is going to Chicago, but I, I don't know if this is a three-team trade as well. I think San Jose, honestly, might get another fifth here. <laughs> yes, I think you're right, yeah. I don't think it was three picks for this guy. That would be, like, flat-out pathetic on Davis's <laughs> part. <laughs> it um, already is, but... It was... So the Sharks get a fifth. Yeah, okay. So but they, still, a second and third? Yeah, for Yanmark, literally a third liner. So, I mean, that's they Chicago did really well here. They obviously won the deal. I don't know what Vegas is doing. <laughs> Yanmark it, it is going to provide some sort of offensive punch. Obviously, you could still do that. Mm-hmm. But not a second and a third. Yeah. Not even close. Maybe like a third and a fourth. Yeah. I would like to see that more than what they just did right now. But, I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights, like I think they're too involved in stuff. They're and, always adding to their roster. It's like they're never satisfied. They yeah. can't get that chemistry going. Like, your group is really good right now. You have mm-hmm. some guys, you know, in and out of the lineup, some injuries here and there, like Petrangelo this year. Right. But, like, you don't need to keep adding guys constantly. Like, you're throwing away all these picks, and your core is not, like, necessarily young. Like, mm-hmm. you, I, I know you're in win-now mode, but if it doesn't work, because I don't think you're the strongest team in your own division, if it doesn't work then you're screwed. But, I mean, again, this is an expansion team still. We still forget about this. This is a team that came in four years ago, and they're at least they're, you know, making an effort to win, to get over that hump and win. So, Yeah, I just think that this move is too much of an effort. It's just like, like obviously casual fans don't know who Matias Yanmark is, and like bringing him in for a second and third is just like, oh, my God. Like They already have a Stevenson. They already have a William Carlson. And they also have a Cody Glass just sitting in the minors. I know he hasn't had a great year with the Vegas Golden Knights, but you got to start playing him if you're going to know what type of player he is. So you can't really get a guy like Yanmark to come and go in your lineup and take minutes away from your young star. And then they have like Nosek, um, Nikolai Waugh. Like it's just a lot of guys really that are just getting pushed aside year after year after year. And then new guys come in for a year and they, they just leave. So... I mean, I don't know what Yanmark... I don't know if Yanmark moves the needle for the Vegas Golden Knights. Because, to be honest, I think they have better players in their lineup than Yanmark right now that can fit. But that's just my opinion. But the Vegas Golden Knights seem, seem to be uh, looking at something different here with this trade. Yeah, and also another point is, like like you said, with the Cody Glass thing. Like They had two first-round picks in their first draft. And one of them was Glass, who's barely played. Not really his fault, obviously, like you said. like They keep kind of pushing him out of the lineup. <laughs> And one was Nick Suzuki, who they traded away. Mm-hmm. And do you remember the trade that they made at the deadline in their first season when they went to the cup final? That was a complete fleecing. No, I don't remember. It was when they acquired Thomas Tatar oh, yeah. for a first, second, and third round pick. Yeah. So that and was they, another they first they too. gave away. He barely played. They went to the final, sure. He barely played. 
and then they traded him to Montreal as part of the obviously the patch ready deal. They had to retain salary, but like it's just like you don't need to give up like all these picks all the time. Like I don't know if you're not a good negotiator, Kelly McCrimmon, but like you don't need to like you're getting fleeced in so many of these trades. Obviously, the only trade you really won was the Mark Stone one. You fleeced Ottawa there because obviously he's your captain, your best player. But I mean, like it's just like you don't need to be giving up all these high picks. Like yeah, I feel like true. you could. He doesn't need to give all these high picks. I feel like he's the one offering these deals and like the teams are just taking it. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Colorado's a great like team. They're going to have to get through both of each other. And, you know, if this moves the needle for Vegas, sure. I mean, but it's going to be a very tough series between that two, those two, because I believe they will meet up in those Stanley Cup playoffs and we'd all love to see that. So, yeah. Um, we'll go to the last trade we have here. And this was I think the most surprising trade of the season. Uh, I know Line and Dubois happened early in the year, but this has to be one of the biggest trades of the year in terms of out of nowhere on deadline day. And it was Anthony Mantha to the Washington Capitals. That's it. Just Anthony Mantha. For a haul, which is Jakob Verana, Richard Ponick, first in 2021 and a second in 2022. I mean, we talk about like, not maybe not fleece, but we talk about like, like assets being moved for one guy. This is this trade. Yeah. This was so surprising right at the buzzer. Like no one saw this. Like there was actual rumble links on Monday saying Manta might get moved, but not, mm-hmm. but, but don't like count on it. And then right, right at the buzzer at three o'clock, this comes in and it is like a big trade. Like I was not expecting this at all, especially for Washington side. Like, okay, th- let's go but from both sides. So Washington gets Mantha, who is basically the same age as Verana, maybe a year older, but he's locked in for another three years after this one at 5.5, I believe. Something like that, yeah. Something, Something like that. Fives. And then, uh, so they get cost certainty there. So the reason they traded Verana is because he's an RFA, and they believe that he might command the exact same type of deal. So that's fine there. Mm-hmm. But then they got rid of Panic because he has two or three years left at 2.8. So they want to get rid of that money, which is smart of them. Because Panic, I mean, say what you want, he's, a, he's an okay player, but he's not worth that contract at almost $3 million for what he provides. But the worst part is the first and second round picks <laughs> they gave up. Like, you already have a guy in Vrana who's this very similar to Manta. I mean, both, I mean, Manta's already fit in well with Washington. I yeah. think he's got two goals and an assist already in two games. So he's already fit in well, as expected, because he's got great players around him. That top six is lethal, yep. as we've kind of said in our group chats. Um, but Vran is a solid player for Detroit. They're going to sign him, obviously. Panic's there for cap, but it's, they, it's really the first and second round picks that really make the trade like, wow, like <laughs> that's an overpayment. I think it is an overpayment for sure. <laughs> I mean, Washington, kind of like Vegas, they're all into win. They want to get another cup out of that core that's that's aging yep to say the least i mean all their guys are in their 30s basically except for their goaltenders so i think detroit wins this right now and in the future because steve eisman is the best gm in the league unfortunately they weren't able to trade some of their unrestricted free agents like bernier and ryan because they got hurt at the wrong (laughs) time ryan's out for the year obviously this makes up for it, though. Yeah, this definitely makes up for it. So if I'm a Detroit fan, I'm really happy because Vrana is basically a Mantha. 
in terms of production, and we'll be, get, be getting a lot of opportunity with the Red Wings. Going to be playing with Larkin. Yep. So I think this is a great trade by Detroit. But Washington, I look at this saying, okay, you got to win this year or next year. I mean, Ovi hasn't been signed yet, so yep. they really have to go in like the next year or two, in my opinion. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and you know that first and second. I mean, Stevie Y just like this is how he builds his teams. This is the picks he gets and the player he gets to build a team around. And he just keeps doing it year after year, even with Tampa, man. Like, he just gets those picks in the late rounds, drafts a great player, and they turn out to be great. So, a first-round pick, yeah, should be late. The Washington Capitals should go on a bit of a run here. But they haven't got past the first round in two years after they won the Cup. So, I mean, you you can say embarrassment in the first rounds uh, year after year. But going to this trade, Jakob Rana is a solid player. It, he just didn't work in Washington for this year for Laviolette, I think. They just didn't really see eye to eye with him. That's what reports are saying. And he was scratched back-to-back games in the weekend prior to the deadline. But he is a very skilled young player, and he can very fit well with this Red Wings nucleus that they're building up here. And like you said, he maybe could sign for the same as Mantha, around $5 million, and I wouldn't be surprised because obviously Detroit has a lot of cap space to do that, but... Jakob Vrana also scored in his debut for the Red Wings. So clearly all these trades around the NHL are making an impact right away because all the players are basically scoring in their first couple games because they kind of need that rejuvenation with their new teams. So that first and second is just like, I would have been fine if it was just a second, but then they add a first to the trade near the Detroit Red Wings get. And it's just like, wow. But I don't think Mantha's a bad player at all. Like he's just a great player, but this trade could honestly have been one for one and there would have been no complaints, but yeah. All these picks, all these players added just makes it like, oh, okay, Detroit. But I like it for Washington. Mantha's a solid player. I like it for Detroit. They got picks. They got a younger player and a, maybe a more skilled player. But that is definitely one of the biggest trades we've seen at the deadline so far with a head-scratching moment where it's like, why did this have to come out of nowhere? But that's all the trades we have. I mean, there were some uh, like depth moves I don't think we have to really mention. But yeah, that's basically it for the trade recap and that's what happened on trade deadline day so yeah we're waiting for um the playoffs to get going it starts up in a month and there's some team that has to play a lot of games in a couple of days and you can mention them right now yeah before we get to that a couple weeks ago i had the spicy meatball that this would be one of the worst trade deadlines ever (laughs) oh it was So, so you think it was still like overall like i'm not talking about just the monday oh okay so take it from like last okay. our last episode. I'm just okay. saying the whole season because that's a trade season, right? Right. Overall, um, it wasn't like you know what? Like on my on deadline days or on deadline like leading up to it, I like to see surprise trades like the Verona and Mantha, and we got one of those this year. So I'll say it's all right. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. At least we saw some movement. At least I saw my team do movement. Uh, they really just went out there and said we're going all in but for terms of other teams like they got what they needed every team got what they needed going into this playoffs and every team that was rebuilding got what they needed as well picks so I mean it's a weird year because we have an expansion coming off and coming up sorry and obviously we see teams preparing for it clearly with the picks and stuff they got for players so I mean I think it was decent enough for what we expected right so yeah, that's what I thought too. Like I thought it was like better than I thought it was gonna be. Obviously, the deadline day itself, Monday, wasn't that great, except <laughs> for obviously the blockbuster Mantha deal. But leading up, like it was like Savard was traded, and then Felino, and then it was like you know Montour goes to Florida, and then Carter goes to Pittsburgh, and then Hall goes to Boston. It was like 
all that was like Sunday. Yeah. So I would kind of consider that like trade season. It was like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, all these big moves were made. So Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So I would say it was better than expected considering the circumstances, obviously COVID and just it was a buyer's market. It wasn't mm-hmm. re- there wasn't really that many hockey trades except for the Manta deal. That was a pure hockey trade. Other than just getting picks, you got like players, a good player going the other way, you know. Yep. So I think it was better than expected overall. For sure. And now I'll get back to the team that needs to play uh, 19 games in 32 days, allegedly, <laughs> and that is the Vancouver Canucks. So we've been saying the last few weeks that they've been killed by a COVID variant, the Brazil one, that affected the, the entire roster, basically. And they had to ramp up this week to get back on the ice because the NHL wants them to finish their regular season. So they've mm-hmm. pushed back the North Division schedule all the way, I believe, to May 19th. Yeah, the last possible day. Which is, I think, is ridiculous. Yep. Considering going into the year, they were they wanted the playoffs, all teams, to be started May eighth. Mm-hmm. Now I know that wasn't going to happen. There was going to be delays, and there still are delays, even with Colorado, as you mentioned already. But like the fact that you need to force like the mm-hmm. these Vancouver players who have been off the ice for like three weeks at this point to ramp up again and play the most games ever in NHL history in, a, in the nineteen games in thirty two days is ridiculous like these guys are still basically sick and you're gonna have them play last night and tonight back to back to start them back up which i think is like i said ridiculous so now as of right now they're scheduled to play the leafs on sunday and tuesday to kind of kick off their their home stretch here but this is a team that's not even really close to a playoff spot like now they obviously they have a bunch of games in hand but like they're not going to catch anyone. You're you're going to expect that they have to basically win like twelve of their nineteen games, even have a shot, and like, I mean, who knows how they're going to be out of the game? Yeah, exactly. Like the, yep. This team's been decimated. <laughs> their cardio is going to be terrible. Like, especially their first game back, like they're going to be like heaving on the bench. So like, it's just it's such a stupid situation all around. They don't have to finish their season it's useless i would if anything just play to like the deadline of when the actual season is don't extend it right if they can't get 56 games they can't get 56 in. that's what the mlb did with the cardinals the cardinals made the playoffs i think they didn't play five or six games they they got into the playoffs based on winning percentage so that's what you have to do i don't think you have to finish all 56 it's very stupid yeah this is a bad look on the nhl right Yep, it, like like always, man. Like <laughs> the league can't help itself. I'm looking like a bunch of morons these days. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like the NHL maybe doesn't know what going through COVID like that is, and sitting in a hotel, and maybe not even with your family, because I know some players weren't even with their families quarantining uh, for these last two weeks, and then asking them to play hockey, and then asking them to play 19 games playing hockey in 32 days. I don't think any of those players would have signed up for that. And I know everyone loves hockey. I know they have a passion for it. They want to play and stuff like that. But at a certain point, life comes into this situation. And I think it really did. And, you know, delaying it three days, what the hell is that going to do? Like, what? Like, they're playing on Friday, now they're playing on Sunday. What's that going to do? It's not going to do anything. They're still going to be flat out of the gate. (laughs) So, I mean, like, just... What if... And also this. What if another team let's say maybe not even the Canadian division has a COVID case on May 10th. Are they going to delay the season just because they have to play three games? No, no, they're, they're finishing. They're finishing at 53 games, that team. <laughs> so that, I think that's my point in saying like, it doesn't make sense for them to 
delay everyone else's playoff run for one team to play the enough games. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not saying Vancouver's out. Sure, they can go on a run and play games and win, but it doesn't look likely. So, I mean, yeah, it's just it's a weird situation for the NHL. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I don't know. We said it weeks ago that they shouldn't finish the regular season. I think they will just because the NHL is trying to push this crap, and yeah, I don't know, but... Canucks have not a really good time right now in Vancouver. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. We'll, we'll definitely talk about it as the season goes on along because it's definitely going to come up in conversation. So, um, I think we get to the other pieces of news here. We have some signings, uh, not very high signings, but Adam Lowry on the Winnipeg Jets, five-year deal, 3.5 per season with the Jets, I believe. Uh, is that a good move, bad move, or a terrible move for the Winnipeg Jets? I think the money's great for Adam Lowry because he is a big part of that very talented top nine of the Jets that they really rely upon. The top six for offense, the top nine really to create momentum. Then, of course, Hellebuck is back there. Mm-hmm. So he's a big part of that. Um, but five years is a bit rich. You could have given him like three years, but he probably wanted more like per year. So I, I understand it. He's only 28, so it's not a huge deal. I think it's okay to solid. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm with you on okay to solid because, I mean, you give him five years, he's definitely going to be a jet for life in quotation marks. I mean, he's going to be, what, 33 when his deal is done? So, I mean, yeah, whatever he looks like at 33, he's already good now, and he's a great third-line center. So, yeah, I mean, I I just can't really (laughs) get on the same page as people who are just outraged by five years. I mean, it's not that bad. Like, really, I know. It's like you're giving it to a guy who's, like, 32. Like, relax, man. And the guy who's really bad. So, I mean, he's pretty good. So. Um, another one, Connor Sheary for the Washington Capitals, two-year deal, $1.5 million per season. So he clearly had a really good tryout this year, and they've uh, offered him that two-year deal, $1.5 per season. And the Caps, he's having a good year on the Capitals. He could play in the top six when need be. When Ferrano was scratch, he was playing in the top six, and he was doing well. So, I mean, he clearly uh, got that audition right. Yeah, great deal for Washington. So this is what they basically got rid of the Richard Panic contract for, was to re-sign Connor Sheary. Who, like you said, is having a great year and only 1.5 million. And he, I think he has like 12 goals this year. Yep. So this is a great signing for Washington. Yeah, and then we can move on to lesser of exciting news in the National Hockey League. And this is just another one. Like, like I'm just like, this kind of guy cannot catch a break. Steven Stamkos is on long-term IR and will miss at least seven more games. I mean, just like every year. I just know, we all know it's coming, the injury, and it's just, oh. He was having such a really good year, too. Like, he's always been good, man. He's always had a point per game, and then he gets injured, and it's just like, oh, man. And then people forget about Stamkos, right? Yep. And I traded for him, and I lost the trade because he did not play a game for me, nor will he for the rest of the year. <laughs> so. Yeah. And this, like, not even talking about the fantasy because I know that's just like, wow, too. But it's just like. Okay, yeah, no, there's something. There's a tweet now from Stamkos. It's like, breaking, Tampa Bay Lightning confirmed that the current injury to Steven Stamkos is not related to his core muscle surgery from last year. So that is good news uh, for Stamkos, but he's basically a robot now at this point, right? And he's a good robot. So I don't know what to think of this, man. Like, he's just, every year, it's like, oh, my God, I don't want this guy to get injured, and he keeps getting injured. I don't get how he gets injured so often. It's not like he's, like, hitting everyone in sight. It's like... I don't get how he gets injured so often. Like it's not like he gets decked all the time. He's like, yes, like oh, there, that's why he got hurt. It's just like, yeah, he pulled something here, he pulled something there. It's like, dude, like, 
at some point, like, you have to be like, like, how do you prepare? Like, I'm not going to completely blame him, but it's like all the time with this guy. Like, you can't like rely upon him, really. Like, look at the cup last year. He played three minutes the whole run. Obviously, the most impactful minutes that he could ever right. have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, dude, like, there's so <laughs> many other good players on this team, and you're constantly out, and you're making, like, almost $9 million. Like, yeah. people, like, Tampa fans, I see on Twitter, want him to get traded because of all these injuries, and he's making so much money. But, like, at the same time, he's also one of the best players, if not the best player in franchise history. So, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, yeah. Obviously, I like him a lot as a player. He's a great player, great goal scorer, for sure. But it's just, like, at some point, it's just, like, dude, like, can you I know, just... Yeah. Like, it's kind of like the Malkin scenario, but Malkin is guaranteed 60 games. Stamkos, you have no idea sometimes. Like, <laughs> look at the playoffs. Like, he missed time before the, even the pause yes, last right, year. Yep. Yep. And then he had five months off to recover, and he still couldn't play. And then he had surgery after the run. Like, it's like, <laughs> what the hell? So I, I understand Tampa fans, like, frustration. Like, I would be I would be in the same boat. Like, it's like, dude, like, like it's like a hit or miss. It's like, he's either out for a few games or he's out, like, three, four months. Like, it's very, like, hard to swallow, to be honest. But I do feel bad for Stamkos because he is a great player. Would you say right now he's a Hall of Famer? Uh, right now? <laughs> like, right now, yeah. Like, he's he has 31. the points. He has that Rocky Richard. He has the Stanley Cup, for that matter, as well. Um... He's on the fringe right now just because, like, the legacy, I guess, is not ruined, but, like, just keeps getting injured, right? Like, he's not there when the big moments shine, right? So, I'm going to say, like, on the fringe, but he definitely could be if he just racks up a lot more points and, you know, wins maybe another cup this year, but he's a weird guy. It's just, like, you don't know what's going to happen around Steven Samkos, but, like, this is also adding um, the question, is Kucherov coming back for another last five, two games just get ready for the season. It's it's tough. He could be because he has been skating with the team for a long time. I would not be shocked whatsoever if he came back within the next week or so. Um, just to test him out for a few games, just get his legs back because he hasn't played obviously at all this year. So I could definitely see that happening. And maybe the Stankos injury isn't that serious, but they saw the opportunity where he was kind of banged up and they mm-hmm. could bring Kucherov back in. Again, I'm not surprised. The Leafs are doing the same thing with Anderson. Right. With the long-term cap relief right now. Like, even if Anderson was ready to come back, they can't really get rid of anyone off the roster to send down to get rid- to put the cap hit back on the roster. So, yeah, I could see Kucherov coming back. Yeah, it should be exciting. I mean, Tampa just does what Tampa always does. They just find a way to swindle, I guess, the situation the NHL puts out, and they keep winning. So, um, Other injury news, and it's a team they versed in the Stanley Cup Finals, Tampa Stamkos did, and it's the Dallas Stars where Ben Bishop, again, who's also just, yeah, and then Alex Radulov are done for the season. I don't know if they're done for the playoffs, but I, I assume that's what the report is saying. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, they're not making the playoffs anyways. Right. But, yeah, I think that's what it means. Or, I mean, Bishop, man, like, at this Talk point, he has to, at this point, he, it's similar to Stamkos. <laughs> they're actually teammates, LOL. But it, it's worse than Stamkos in the sense, like, this guy is a goalie. And 
all of the injuries are lower body, which says to me that his knees are basically done and his hips because he's such a big guy. Again, this is because goalie is such a very conditioning and very demanding position on the mm-hmm. joints, right? So my view on it, since he hasn't played this year, he didn't play in the playoffs last year, really. I think he played one game maybe and was hurt the whole time. I think Bishop might have to hang up the skates to be fully honest. Because I don't think he could play anymore. Like I think his hips and his knees and his age and his height, like all that combined, and he was a workhorse for a, for a while, for a few years there. I think it just caught up to him, and I don't, he might honestly have to hang up the skates now. They have Hudobin locked in for another few years. They have Jake Ottinger who's come onto the scene now. So tough news for Bishop. But I'm not sure what's going to happen now. Yep, easily could have been one of the best. Um, in the rankings in terms of goaltenders around the league and even in the past as well. I mean, just the guy, his height is only like alone, just one of the only guys to be that tall and play goaltending. It's just incredible. But I mean, yeah, like you said, his knees, like you need your knees basically to play a net. And if they're not working, you can't really go into the net and play goalie. So, I mean, yeah, it's just tough, man. I, I hate injuries. It's just like with good players as well. It's just, I don't know, it's a tough pill to swallow. And then Radulov as well. He was pretty good in Dallas. I mean, putting up points, but obviously he's done for the year as well. But another injury. I mean, you could go to the Buffalo Sabres, and this was no surprise to us at all, but Jack Eichel is done for the season as well. And does that cause the question, or does that bring up the question, is this the last memory of Jack Eichel in Buffalo? Yes. (laughs) Not a good memory then. No. Him injuring his neck, and he's now out for the year. So the surgery is to rep- to repair some vertebrae in his neck. And uh, this is just a terrible situation in Buffalo, man. Like, I feel so bad for their fans. Like, I, we always say it this year, but it, it's true. I mean, their best player they've had in a long time wasn't able to bring this franchise to any sort of relevance in his tenure there. And it's probably, it's most likely coming to an end it's up to Buffalo ultimately if they want to trade him because he has a lot of years left at making $10 million. So even if a team were to acquire him, they would have to have like a lot of cap space or like another big contract going the other way. Mm-hmm. So it'd be a, it would be a complicated deal to get him out of Buffalo, but I can't see a scenario where after what happened this year, everything that went wrong, um, that he's still a saber by next uh, training camp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure if Jack Eichel was healthy... Let's say later in the year, and there's like ten games. He's not coming back. Like he's just not playing with this no team way. anymore, right? So no. I mean, we talk about guys. We talked about the theme with the Buffalo Sabers, where um, players go into there and you know don't have the greatest of seasons and don't really have success. This is a guy who definitely can leave and have major success with the team he's on next. But it's all speculation. Just we saw that tweet from McKenzie at the begin tweet from again uh, Bob McKenzie at the beginning of the year where the New York Rangers were said to be on him and, you know, Buffalo said we're not trading him. I think you really got to look at a trade for this guy. It's just you can't have him still in the roster and kind of build a team with a younger core. And I know he's young, but it's just not working, right? And I don't think he wants to play for this team missing the playoffs again because, let's be honest, I don't think they're making the playoffs next year, maybe in the next two years. So it doesn't matter who you sign, doesn't matter who you bring in. I think Jack Eichel's done in Buffalo, but... Yep. Sucks to see um, him go like this. Um, and then one more piece of news, and this was really actually surprising. Talk about the theme of this episode, surprising. Fleury, Marc-Andre Fleury, the Vegas Golden Knights, 
moves into fourth all-time in wins, passing Ed Belfour. First of all, first thing, I didn't know Ed Belfour was fourth all-time. And Neither second of I. all, I didn't know Fleury just moved past him for fourth all-time. <laughs> so it just shows that if you're, on, if you're a good goalie and you're on good teams, you'll climb the ranks. That's what I found out from that. <laughs> like, Ed Belfour obviously was a very good goalie. I don't even know if he's in the Hall of Fame. I assume he is. I think he is, yeah. I'm pretty sure he is. But again, it's not like he's like, you know, and he's not like Patrick Waugh, Broder, right, right, right. you know, he's not like out of that ilk. But neither is Flurry. But both of these guys were great goalies. They still Flurry's still a great goalie. And they played on really good teams for like ninety five percent of their career. Which both of them did. So I mean it's good for Flurry. He should be still moving up. I don't know who's third all time. Is in it... wins, I know the top. I know who the top two are. I don't know who's in third. Actually, it could be Hasek. Is it yeah, not? I was gonna say him. I don't know. We're, for a hockey podcast, we're really bad at this. But uh, Ed Belfour is a Hall of Famer. He went to the Hall of Fame in 2011. So okay, future Hall of Famer passing current Hall of Famer. Yep. Uh, there's no question. Mark Andre Fleury is gonna be in that Hall. We just don't know when, what year. But this guy, like you said. It takes a good team and a good goalie to be in this combination in terms of this stature of all-time wins. And he has it. He's the perfect goalie to do that. So playing with the Penguins, playing with the Vegas Golden Knights. And honestly, like we could be having the conversation now if things were different in Vegas that Fleury wouldn't be a Hall of Famer because Vegas was supposed to be bad. And yeah, now they're good. Yeah, like I think even at the time when he went to Vegas, he was kind of on that borderline because he did have three cups, even though he was not the main starter for the last two. He was a huge part of the 09 Penguins run, huge part of their franchise's history. So even if he didn't have this run that he's on in Vegas where they went to the cup finals in his first year there, I believe he was a Vesna candidate as well. He's going to be a Vesna candidate this year as well, mm-hmm. and he's turning 37 soon. So he still has a lot left in the tank, and there's rumors of him trading him after signing Leonard, and that would have been a huge mistake because there's yeah, no clearly. way Vegas would be where they are without Flurry this year. Correct. Um, so yeah, so he's definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer, three cups. The only, he obviously doesn't have a Vesna, but I don't think that matters because he's a, he has the all like he's climbing up the all time wins list. Yeah, and he's still a great goalie at his age. So yeah, that's very surprising. He doesn't have a Vesna. Can- considering he's played on a lot of teams with a lot of wins but yeah i mean he could get it this year we don't know but vash FC seems to be in the lead mm-hmm. um that's it for the news it was jam-packed today i mean just talking about a lot of stuff but we're going into the awards segment now with the hard hat awards so let's go right into yours because you also picked a goalie what we just talked about it's not flurry it's another guy from the new york rangers yep and that's igor shesterkin i was gonna pick jacob markstrom this week because he had more games played, but I couldn't overlook Shesterkin because he went 2-0 this week with a 960 save percentage and also two shutouts. So, I think, it, actually, I think it was 3-0 this week. So, that was my mistake. So, he went 3-0 with a 960 save percentage and then back-to-back shutouts. So, I couldn't overlook that even though Marshall went 3-1, only allowing five goals in those four games. Um, I had to give it to the rookie Shesterkin for this week of the New York Rangers who are in the hunt right now for the fourth spot, but they kind of came on like a little too late. Like they were so bad to start the year <laughs> and now they're like red hot winning all these games. And obviously Panarin and Zabinajad are 
carrying the load. Adam Fox, obviously, is a, should be a Norris candidate this year. Um, but it might be a little too little too late because now Boston is kind of getting into their groove with Hall and they're occupying that fourth spot. So mm-hmm. it might be too little too late, but it's a good sign for the Rangers because this wasn't their year really to kind of you know start contending for playoffs. I, I see it more as next year. So Shosturkin is my hard hat award winner of the week. Yep, and then we work our way to the Canadian division, and this is my guy, Nikolai Ehlers of the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, he has off and on weeks, but when he's on, he's on, and this week he was on. Four games played, four goals, goal per game, which is pretty incredible. Two assists, six points, three even strength points, two power play points, and 14 shots on goal. I mean, they're missing Wheeler right now, and I know Wheeler doesn't score a hell of a lot of goals, but... This guy, Nikolai Ehlers, is just stepping up. I mean, he's such like a like a looked-at player where you don't know where he is, and I think you clearly know what he is this year. He's a fast, speedy guy who can score goals and can pass the buck. So, I mean, overrated, underrated, we don't know what to call this guy, but it seems to me like he's just about rated in the league right now, and Nikolai Ehlers seems to be getting it done this year with the Winnipeg Jets, stepping up mightily for them. Uh, he yeah. could be. He could be basically. He could be their best player this year. If you you can really uh, argue it. I mean, there's Hellebuck, there's Shifley, but Nikola Ehlers is right there in the conversation. Yeah, he's been outstanding. Him and Connor are like their speed and their scoring touch are like lethal. Like those goals they scored versus the Leafs, like were yeah. just like off their stick in a second. Like they have one good look and it's in the net. Like that's just how it's been this year. And then Ehlers, obviously, pickpocketed Barner on that one goal, poked it past Riddick which is kind of like a disaster of a play in general. But he's been, like you said, he's arguably one of their best players, if not their best player this year. He's elevated his game to another level. And he's really had this in him his whole career. Like he's always had that speed and that offensive creativity, but it's kind of like putting it all together this year for the Jets. And it makes them dealing away line A all the more, mm-hmm. like it made all the more sense that this guy's finally emerged into a top flight winger in the league. Yep, And they have Dubois now as that premier second-line center behind Shifley. So the Jets, it looks like they really, really won that deal just because they haven't missed line A whatsoever. And Dubois, while hasn't been outstanding, has been like something that they needed, which was a second-line center. So right. overall, good pick for Nick Ehlers for the hard hat. Yep, and then we move into the bad picks of the week, which is the Golden Plunger. So flush the toilet. And let's get going. So we have two guys from the same team. And I guess I'll get going first. I have Anthony Sorelli uh, this week. And I did not really think any of these players would be in the conversation for this award at all this year. Just because of the team they play on. And especially Sorelli. He was having a really good year last year. And this year, he's having a decent year. But in the last 10 games... He has no points, and I know he's not known for points. He's no more defensive play. I know plus minus is not a big deal, but he's also a minus seven in the last 10 games. So under 50% in the dot in the faceoff circle. I know that's not his bread and butter, but when you're playing center on the second line for the Tampa Bay Lightning, you better be performing. But last 10 games, he hasn't been. I know Anthony Sorelli's a great player. I'm sure he'll get out of it. He plays on Tampa, for God's sake. So, But he just got to wake up. We've seen uh, the contract he got in the offseason. You just got to play better. So, uh, next guy on the Tampa Lightning. I didn't notice this stat, but go ahead. Yes, and it's his running mate. I believe they play on the same line now with all the injuries that they have. 
but it's Andre Palat, who obviously had a great start to the year. He's still having a solid year overall, getting a couple assists here and there, but he has not scored a goal in the last 10 games, and his last goal was on March 25th. So, <laughs> I mean, it's currently April 17th, so he hasn't scored in almost a month here. And he has to be relied upon now because Stamkos is out of the lineup now. Kucherov, while he may come back, is still not officially back into the lineup. And uh, just so they can... I mean, they're still in the fight for first in the division. I mean, Carolina, Florida are right there still. Like, there's still, like, no determining factor on who they're going to play in the first round. It's either going to be Carolina, Florida, or the fourth-seeded National Predators, who, in my opinion, are by far the weakest team mm-hmm. out of that mix there. So if they want to secure the first spot in the Central Division, these guys kind of, both Sorelli and Palak got to get going here. Yep, for sure. So that's been the Golden Plunger, and we could get to what you say. I actually didn't hear this clip. I don't know where it is, but we talked about it at the end of the trade segment, and this was JT Miller kind of ripping on the NHL and NHLPA. I just saw quotes on Twitter. I don't know where the actual clip is, so if I can't find it and play it, that's fine. But I guess you could kind of explain it, Joe. Yeah, so this is what we've been talking about for the whole Canucks situation, and it's JT Miller, who was one of the very few Canucks to not have gotten the virus, basically talking about the whole experience and what the decision of the NHL and the NHLPA to basically force the Canucks to finish their season and play 19 games in 32 days. So this is what he kind of had to say about the whole situation, and this really puts into perspective how real this virus is like these guys are all professional athletes they should they're in the peak human physical condition basically for the most part and they're really struggling with it so it just puts into perspective the human element of this covid ravaged nhl season yeah definitely tough to see we talked about it families and how much of a big impact this is making and you know jt miller flat out said and he has every right to i mean just he's playing the game not the nhl so uh, they moved a couple games back. I don't know how much that helps, but we'll see as they versus the Leafs in a double header, basically on Monday and or sorry, Sunday and Tuesday. Um, we could get to the Battle of the Buds, and this week I kind of farted <laughs> in a way. I went one and two. You went two and one, so you're slowly, slowly, slowly catching up. I have an overall record of thirty-two and ten. You have an overall record of twenty-five and seventeen. And last week, the games I got right. Hurricanes lost to the Red Wings. Lightning lost to the Predators 7-2. And then the Jets obviously beat the Sens. I think that was a close one, actually, too. But with your games, you also lost the Red Wings or Hurricanes as well. Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. The Hurricanes <laughs> lost twice last week to the Red Wings. And we were just talking about how good they are this year. Um, but, yeah, I went 2-1. I had the Avalanche beating the Ducks, which they probably, I don't even know the score, they probably destroyed them. And then the Bruins versus the Sabres, which was actually a lot closer and that was Taylor Hall's debut. They won in a shootout, I believe. I think so, that, yeah. Yeah, that game. So that was a lot closer than I thought it would be. But yeah, so I'm slowly catching up. It still like looks really unlikely that I'm going to catch you or even pass you in general. So uh, you could lift off your games this week and I'll do mine next. Yep, so this week I have the Flames who are home to the Senators on April 19th. So I have the Flames in that one. Uh, and the next game, I have the Kings who are host to the Ducks on April 20th. So a bit of a barn burner, I guess. They're two literally bad teams. So I'll pick the Kings in that one. And then I have the Leafs who are going into uh, the Jets home arena. forgot the name. Belt MTS Center, I think it is. On April 22nd, I have the Leafs winning that one because 
Jets just beat them this week. They need some revenge next week, so hopefully they get some revenge there. But those are my three games. How about you? My three games here. So the Leafs visit the Canucks. Again, this is scheduled. Currently, it should go on without any issues. So this is the Canucks' first game back. I'm hoping the Leafs can win this one. I mean, this is like a layup game if there ever was one. A team that hasn't played in three weeks that's literally been sick with a virus. So I have the Leafs winning that one on the road. Then I have the Devils visiting the Penguins on April 20th. I have the Penguins winning at home. The Devils are now the youngest team in the league, I believe. So they're not expected to do much the rest of the year. And then the Blue Jackets at the Lightning. Hopefully Vasilevsky starts that game. Because if he's not, it will be a loss. As we've seen with the uh, <laughs> Nashville game that you predicted last week. So if Vasilevsky starts, that should be a win. So I'm picking the Lightning at home. Alright, solid picks all around. So we go to the Joe Spicy Meeple. I don't know if you have one this week. But trade deadline just ended. Maybe it's surrounding that. But you have a Spicy Meeple for me, Joe. I do, and it involves a team that we talked about pretty intensively this episode, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that they will go back-to-back this year. Going back-to-back. Holy. Um, With the move of Savard. Yeah, yeah. Getting, hopefully, Stamkos Kucherov back for the playoffs, (laughs) healthy. They go back-to-back. You know what? One team versus the field. I think I'll take the field on this one, just because there's so many... I don't even know if more is the right word to say. More great teams, but there's a lot of great teams that they're going to have to play, especially in their own division for that matter. But, you know, the route to the final could be easy. Sorry, route could be easy to the final. Um, if they obviously get together, they have a great team, but it's just that final game. It's either Colorado, Vegas, or a hard team like that. But I'll say no. I'll take the field in this one, Joe. So, all right. What do you think? I think they have a good shot, a real good shot. I don't know if, like you said, I think I'm going to take the field here, but I will not be surprised in the slightest if they pull it off because it has been done as recently as literally four years ago when Pittsburgh did it. And this team is more talented than that Penguins team. So it's all about if they're able to do it again. They have the pieces in place. All a matter if, you know, the hockey gods and whatever are in their favor. Yep, I agree. So... That's been it for this one. I mean, loaded, loaded, loaded cast in this one. Uh, we had recap on trades, who won and uh, lost the trades. We got our thoughts on that one. Lots of injuries, lots of signings, lots of news coming out of the league. We got through that. And then the awards saying that Barrel the Buds and Joe Spicy Meatball on that one. But do we have any final words from you in this episode? So I just released my latest power rankings uh, this past week. Um there, it's getting a little bit difficult because some teams are kind of not moving up and down too much as we kind of head into the stretch run for the playoffs here. So a lot of the top 10, for instance, will stay the same for the most part unless a team really falls off and a team really goes off. But for the most part, keep a tabs on that. It is winding down, I think, three or four more weeks of the power rankings. So keep an eye out on that. And then I have some baseball content out right now. So... If you're in fantasy baseball and you want to know who to add or who to drop and who's injured, take a look at that. I have three players that you can add to your lineup to provide a spark and then one guy every week who you should drop, whether it's through injury or underperformance. So go check out that article. Yep. All of that on thebreakdownsports.com and follow us on Twitter at the breakdown underscore breakdown and on Instagram at the underscore breakdown as well. Uh, lots of content for myself, hockey content as well. Just released a bunch of trade destination article. Some of them ended up being right. Some of them ended up being wrong. But 
hey, I mean, it's just, it's just content for us, but that's it for Men to End, and we will definitely be back next Saturday. Join us for the next one. Woo!